The Mystical City of God, The Incarnation Book 3, Chapter 11 The Venerable Sister Mary of Jesus of Agreda, describes how Mary listened to the message of the Holy Angel. As a result, the mystery of the Incarnation is enacted by the conception of the Eternal Word in her womb. 123. I wish to confess before heaven and earth and its inhabitants, and in the presence of the Creator of the universe and the Eternal God, that in setting myself to write of the profound mystery of the Incarnation, my feeble strength deserts me, my tongue is struck mute, my discourse is silenced, my faculties are benumbed, my understanding is eclipsed and overwhelmed by the divine light which guides and instructs me. In it all is perceived without error and without any deviousness. I see my insignificance and I am made aware of the emptiness of words and the insufficiency of human terms for doing justice to my concepts of this sacrament, which comprehends at one and the same time God himself and the greatest and most wonderful work of his omnipotence. I see in this mystery the divine and admirable harmony of his infinite providence and wisdom, with which from all eternity he has ordained and prearranged it, and by which he directed all creation toward its fulfillment. All his works and all his creatures were only well-adjusted means of advancing toward this apex of his aims, the condescension of a God in assuming human nature. 124. I saw that the Eternal Word had awaited and chosen, as the most opportune time and hour for his descent from the bosom of the Father, the midnight of mortal perversion, Wisdom 1814, when the whole posterity of Adam was buried and absorbed in the sleep of forgetfulness and ignorance of their true God, and when there was no one to open his mouth in confessing and blessing him, except some chosen souls among his people. All the rest of the world was lost in silent darkness, having passed a protracted night of five thousand and about two hundred years. Age had succeeded age, and generations followed upon generations, each one in their time predestined and decreed by the eternal wisdom, each also having an opportunity to know and find him, its creator. For all had him so near to them, that he gave them life movement and existence within themselves, Acts 17:28. But as the clear day of his inaccessible light had not arrived, though some of the mortals, like the blind, came nigh to him and touched him in his creatures, yet they did not attain to the divinity, Romans 1 and in failing to recognize him, they cast themselves upon the senses and most vile things of the earth. 125. The day then had arrived in which the Most High, setting aside the long ages of this dark ignorance, resolved to manifest himself to men and begin the redemption of the human race, by assuming their nature in the womb of Most Holy Mary, who was now prepared for this event. In order to be able to describe what was revealed to me concerning this event, it is necessary to make mention of some hidden sacraments connected with the descent of the only begotten from the bosom of the Father. I assume what is firmly established and what the Holy Faith teaches in regard to the Divine Persons, that although there is a real personal distinction between the three Persons, Yet there is no inequality in wisdom, omnipotence or other attributes, just as little as there is in the divine nature. And just as they are equal in dignity and infinite perfection, so they are also equal in these operations ad extra, 
which proceed from God himself for the production of some creature or temporal object. These operations are indivisibly wrought by three divine persons. For not one person alone produces them, but all three in so far as they are one and the same God, possessing one and the same wisdom, one and the same understanding and will. Thus what the Son knows and wishes, that also the Father knows and wishes, and so also the Holy Ghost knows and wishes whatever is known and willed by the Father and the Son. 126. In this indivisibility of action the three persons wrought and executed, by one and the same act, the mystery of the Incarnation, although only the person of the Son accepted for himself the nature of man, uniting it to himself hypostatically. Therefore we say that the Son was sent by the Eternal Father, from whose intelligence he proceeds, and that the Father sent him by the intervening operations of the Holy Ghost. As it was the person of the Son which came to be made man, this same person before descending from the heavens and the bosom of the Father, in the name of that same humanity to be received by him, made a conditional request. That on account of his foreseen merits, his salvation and satisfaction of the divine justice for sins, be extended to the whole human race. He desired the fiat or ratification of the most blessed will of the Father who sent him, for the acceptance of this redemption by means of his most holy works and his passion, and through the mysteries, which he was to enact in the new church and in the law of grace. 127. The Eternal Father accepted this petition and the foreseen merits of the Word. He conceded all that was proposed and asked for the mortals, and he himself confirmed the elect and predestined souls as the inheritance and possession of Christ forever. Hence Christ himself our Lord, through St. John says that he has not lost nor has allowed to perish, those whom the Father had given him, John 18 9. In another place it is said, that no one shall snatch his sheep from his hands nor from those of his Father, John 17 12. The same would hold good of all those that are born, if they would avail themselves of the redemption, which, as it is sufficient, should also be efficacious for all and in all. Since his divine mercy desired to exclude no one, if only all of them would make themselves capable of receiving its benefits through the Redeemer. 128. All this, according to our way of understanding, happened in heaven at the throne of the Most Blessed Trinity, as a prelude to the fiat of the Most Holy Mary, of which I will presently speak. At the moment, in which the Only Begotten of the Father descended to her virginal womb, all the heavens and the creatures were set in commotion. On account of the inseparable union of the divine persons, the three of them descended with the Word, though the Word alone was to become incarnate. And with the Lord their God, all the hosts of the celestial army issued from heaven, full of invincible strength and splendor. Although it was not necessary to prepare the way, since the divinity fills the universe and is present in all places and cannot be impeded by anything. Nevertheless all the eleven material heavens showed deference to their creator, and, together with the inferior elements, opened up and parted as it were, for his passage. The stars shone with greater brilliancy, the moon and sun with the planets hastened their course in the service of their Maker, anxious to witness the greatest of his wonderful works. 129. 
Mortals did not perceive this commotion and renewal of all the creatures, both because it happened during the night, as well as because the Lord wished it to be known only to the angels. The angels praised him with new wonder, knowing these profound and venerable mysteries to be hidden from men. For they knew that men were far removed from understanding these wonderful benefits, so admirable even in the eyes of angelic spirits. To these angelic spirits alone was at that time assigned the duty of giving glory, praise and reverence for these benefits to their Maker. However, in the hearts of some of the just, the Most High infused at that hour a new feeling and affection of extraordinary joy of which they became conscious. They conceived new and grand ideas concerning the Lord, some of them were inspired and began to confer within themselves, whether this new sensation which they felt, was not the effect of the coming of the Messiah in order to redeem the world. But all this remained concealed, for each one thought that he alone had experienced this renewal of his interior. 130. In the other creatures there was a like renovation and change. The birds moved about with new songs and joyousness, the plants and trees gave forth more fruit and fragrance, and in the same proportion all the rest of the creatures received, and felt some kind of vivifying change. But among those that received the greatest share, were the fathers and saints in limbo, where the archangel Michael was sent with a glad message, in order to console them and cause in them the fullness of jubilee and praise. Only for those in hell it was a cause of new consternation and grief. For at the descent of the eternal word from on high, the demons felt an impetuous force of the divine power, which came upon them like the waves of the sea and buried all of them in the deepest caverns of their darkness without leaving them any strength of resistance or recovery. When by divine permission they were again able to rise, they poured forth upon the world and hastened about to discover what strange happening had thus undone them. However, although they held several conferences among themselves, they were unable to find the cause. The divine power concealed from them the sacrament of the Incarnation and the manner in which Most Holy Mary conceived the Incarnate Word. Not until the death of Christ on the cross did they arrive at the certainty that He was God and true man, as we shall there relate. 131. In order that the mystery of the Most High might be fulfilled, the holy Archangel Gabriel, in the shape described in the preceding chapter and accompanied by innumerable angels in visible human forms, and resplendent with incomparable beauty, entered into the chamber where Most Holy Mary was praying. It was on a Thursday at six o'clock in the evening and at the approach of night. The great modesty and restraint of the Princess of Heaven did not permit her to look at him more than was necessary to recognize him as an angel of the Lord. Recognizing him as such, Mary in her usual humility, wished to do him reverence. The Holy Prince would not allow it. On the contrary he himself bowed profoundly as before his queen and mistress in whom he adored the heavenly mysteries of his Creator. At the same time, he understood that from that day on, the ancient times and the custom of old, whereby men should worship angels as Abraham had done were changed, Genesis 28 2. For as human nature was raised to the dignity of God himself in the person of the Word, men now held the position of adopted children, of companions and brethren of the angels, as the angel said to evangelist St. John, 
when he refused to be worshipped, Revelations 19.10. 132. The holy archangel saluted our and his queen and said, Hail full of grace the Lord is with thee, blessed art thou among women. Luke chapter 128. Hearing this new salutation of the angel, this most humble of all creatures was disturbed, but not confused in mind, Luke 1.29. This disturbance arose from two causes, first, from her humility, for she thought herself the lowest of the creatures and thus in her humility was taken unawares at hearing herself saluted and called the blessed among women. Secondly, When she heard this salute and began to consider within herself how she should receive it, she was interiorly made to understand by the Lord that he chose her for his mother, and this caused a still greater perturbance, having such an humble opinion of herself. On account of this perturbance the angel proceeded to explain to her the decree of the Lord saying, Do not fear Mary, for you have found grace before the Lord, Luke chapter 130, Behold, You shall conceive a son in thy womb, and you shall give birth to him, and you shall name him Jesus. He shall be great, and he shall be called Son of the Most High. And the rest is as recorded of the Holy Archangel. 133. Our most prudent and humble Queen alone, among all the creatures, was sufficiently intelligent and magnanimous to estimate at its true value such a new and unheard of sacrament. And in proportion as she realized its greatness, so she was also moved with admiration. But she raised her humble heart to the Lord, who could not refuse her any petition, and in the secret of her spirit she asked new light and assistance by which to govern herself in such an arduous transaction, for as we have said in the preceding chapter, the Most High, in order to permit her to act in this mystery solely in faith, hope, and charity, left her in a common state and suspended all other kinds of favors and interior elevations which she so frequently or continually enjoyed. In this disposition she replied and said to Holy Gabriel, What is written in St. Luke? How shall this happen that I conceive and bear, since I know not man? At the same time she interiorly represented to the Lord the vow of chastity, which she had made in the espousal, which His Majesty had celebrated with her. 134. The Holy Prince Gabriel replied, Luke 1.24. Lady, it is easy for the divine power to make you a mother without the cooperation of man. The Holy Spirit shall remain with you by a new presence and the virtue of the Most High shall overshadow you, so that the Holy of Holies can be born of you, who shall himself be called the Son of God. And behold, your cousin Elizabeth has likewise conceived a son in her sterile years, and this is the sixth month of her conception, for nothing is impossible with God. He that can make her conceive, who was sterile, can bring it about, that thou, lady, be his mother, still preserving your virginity and enhancing thy purity. To the son whom you shalt bear, God will give the throne of his father David and his reign shall be everlasting in the house of Jacob. You are not ignorant, O lady, of the prophecy of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 7:14, that a virgin shall conceive and shall bear a son, whose name shall be Emmanuel, God with us. This prophecy is infallible and it shall be fulfilled in your person. You know also of the great mystery of the bush, 
which Moses saw burning without its being consumed by the fire, Exodus 3.2. This signified that the two natures, divine and human, are to be united in such a manner, that the latter is not consumed by the divine, and that the mother of the Messiah shall conceive and give birth without violation of her virginal purity. Remember also, lady, the promise of the eternal God to the patriarch Abraham, that after the captivity of his posterity for four generations, they should return to this land, the mysterious signification of which was, that in this, the fourth generation, the incarnate God is to rescue the whole race of Adam through your cooperation from the oppression of the devil, Genesis chapter 15 16, and the ladder, which Jacob saw in his sleep, Genesis chapter 28 12, was an express figure of the royal way, which the eternal word was to open up and by which the mortals are to ascend to heaven and the angels to descend to earth. To this earth the only begotten of the Father shall lower himself in order to converse with men and communicate to them the treasures of his divinity, imparting to them his virtues and his immutable and eternal perfections. The mystery of the four generations was explained to me as follows. The first generation is that of Adam without a father or mother. The second generation is that of Eve without a mother. The third generation is our own, from a father and mother. And the fourth generation is that of our Lord Jesus Christ, from a mother without a father. 135. With these and many other words the ambassador of heaven instructed the most holy Mary, in order that by the remembrance of the ancient promises and prophecies of holy writ, by the reliance and trust in them and in the infinite power of the Most High, she might overcome her hesitancy at the heavenly message. But as the Lady herself exceeded the angels in wisdom, prudence and in all sanctity, she withheld her answer, in order to be able to give it in accordance with the divine will and that it might be worthy of the greatest of all the mysteries and sacraments of the divine power. She reflected that upon her answer depended the pledge of the Most Blessed Trinity, the fulfillment of His promises and prophecies, the most pleasing and acceptable of all sacrifices, the opening of the gates of paradise, the victory and triumph over hell, the redemption of all the human race, the satisfaction of the divine justice, the foundation of the new law of grace, the glorification of men, the rejoicing of the angels, and whatever was connected with the incarnation of the only begotten of the Father and His assuming the form of servant in her virginal womb, Philippians 2 7. 136. A great wonder indeed, and worthy of our admiration, that all these mysteries and whatever others they included, should be entrusted by the Almighty to a humble maiden and made dependent upon her fiat. But befittingly and securely he left them to the wise and strong decision of this courageous woman, Proverbs 31:11, since she would consider them with such magnanimity and nobility, that perforce his confidence in her was not misplaced. The operations which proceed within the divine essence, depend not on the cooperation of creatures, for they have no part in them and God could not expect such cooperations for executing the works ad intra but in the works at extra and such as were contingent, among which that of becoming man was the most exalted, he could not proceed without the cooperation of Most Holy Mary and without her free consent. 
For he wished to reach this summit of all the works outside himself and her and through her and he wished that we should owe this benefit to this mother of wisdom and our reparatrix. 137. Therefore this great lady considered and inspected profoundly this spacious field of the dignity of mother of God, Proverb 2111, in order to purchase it by her fiat. She clothed herself in fortitude more than human, and she tasted and saw how profitable was this enterprise and commerce with the divinity. She comprehended the ways of his hidden benevolence and adorned herself with fortitude and beauty. And having conferred with herself and with the heavenly messenger Gabriel about the grandeur of these high and divine sacraments, and finding herself in excellent condition to receive the message sent to her, her purest soul was absorbed and elevated in admiration reverence and highest intensity of divine love. By the intensity of these movements and supernal affections, her most pure heart, as it were by natural consequence, was contracted and compressed with such force, that it distilled three drops of her most pure blood, and these, finding their way to the natural place for the act of conception, were formed by the power of the divine and holy spirit, into the body of Christ our Lord. Thus the matter from which the most holy humanity of the word for our redemption is composed, was furnished and administered by the most pure heart of Mary and through the sheer force of her true love. At the same moment, with a humility never sufficiently to be extolled, inclining slightly her head and joining her hands, she pronounced these words, which were the beginning of our salvation. Be it done to me according to thy word. Luke 1 38. 138. At the pronouncing of this fiat, so sweet to the hearing of God and so fortunate for us, in one instant four things happened. First, the most holy body of Christ our Lord was formed from the three drops of blood furnished by the heart of most holy Mary. Secondly, the most holy soul of the same Lord was created, just as the other souls. Thirdly, the soul and the body united in order to compose his perfect humanity. Fourthly, the divinity united itself in the person of the word with the humanity, which together became one composite being in hypostatical union, and thus was formed Christ true God and man, our Lord and Redeemer. This happened in springtime on the 25th of March, at break or dawning of the day, in the same hour, in which our first father Adam was made, and in the year of the creation of the world 5199, which agrees also with the count of the Roman Church in her martyrology under the guidance of the Holy Ghost. This reckoning is the true and certain one, as was told to me, when I inquired at command of my superiors. Conformable to this the world was created in the month of March, which corresponds to the beginning of creation. And as the works of the Most High are perfect and complete, Deuteronomy 32 4, the plants and trees come forth from the hands of His Majesty bearing fruit, and they would have borne them continually without intermission, if sin had not changed the whole nature, as I will expressly relate in another treatise, if it is the will of the Lord. Now however I will not detain myself therewith, since it does not pertain to our subject. 139. In the same instant, in which the Almighty celebrated the nuptials of the hypostatic union in the womb of Most Holy Mary, 
the heavenly lady was elevated to the beatific vision and the divinity manifested itself to her clearly and intuitively. She saw most high sacraments, of which I will speak in the next chapter. The mysteries of the inscriptions, with which she was adorned and which the angels exhibited, as related in the seventh chapter of Book 1, were made clear to her each in particular. The divine child began to grow in the natural manner in the recess of the womb, being nourished by the substance and the blood of its most holy mother, just as other men. Yet it was more free and exempt from the imperfections, to which other children of Adam are subject in that place and period. For from some of these, namely those that are accidental and unnecessary to the substance of the act of generation, being merely effects of sin, the Empress of Heaven was free. She was also free from the immoderate habits caused by sin, which in other women are common and happen naturally in the formation, sustenance and growth of their children. For the necessary matter, which is proper to the infected nature of the descendants of Eve and which was wanting in her, was supplied and administered in her by the exercise of heroic acts of virtue and especially by charity. By the fervor of her soul and her loving affections, the blood and humors of her body were changed and thereby divine providence provided for the sustenance of the divine child. Thus in a natural manner the humanity of our Redeemer was nourished, while His divinity was recreated and pleased with her heroic virtues. Most Holy Mary furnished to the Holy Ghost, for the formation of this body, pure and limpid blood, free from sin, and all its tendencies. And whatever impure and imperfect matter is supplied by other mothers for the growth of their children was administered by the Queen of Heaven most pure and delicate in substance. For it was built up and supplied by the power of her loving affections and her other virtues. In a like manner was purified whatever served as food for the Heavenly Queen. For as she knew that her nourishment was at the same time to sustain and nourish the Son of God, she partook of it with such heroic acts of virtue, that the angelic spirits wondered how such common human actions could be connected with such supernal heights of merit and perfection in the sight of God. 140. The Heavenly Lady was thus established in such high privileges in her position as Mother of God, that those which I have already mentioned and which I shall yet mention, convey not even the smallest idea of her excellence and my tongue cannot describe it. For neither is it possible to conceive it by the understanding, nor can the most learned, nor the most wise of men find adequate terms to express it. The humble, who are proficient in the art of divine love, become aware of it by infused light and by the interior taste and feeling, by which such sacraments are perceived. Not only was Most Holy Mary become a heaven, a temple and dwelling place of the Most Holy Trinity, transformed thereto, elevated and made godlike by the special and unheard of operation of the divinity in her most pure womb. But her humble cottage and her poor little oratory was consecrated by the divinity as a new sanctuary of God. The heavenly spirits, who as witnesses of this marvelous transformation were present to contemplate it, magnified the Almighty with ineffable praise and jubilee. In union with this most happy mother, they blessed him in his name and in the name of the human race, which was ignorant of this the greatest of his benefits and mercies. The Instruction of the Most Holy Queen Mary 
141. My daughter, you are filled with astonishment at seeing, by means of new light, the mystery of the humiliation of the divinity in uniting himself with a human nature in the womb of a poor maiden such as I was. I wish however my dearest, that you turn your attention toward yourself and consider, how God humiliated himself, and came into my womb, not only for myself alone, but for you as well. The Lord is infinite in his mercy and his love has no limit, and thus he attends and esteems and assists every soul who receives him, and he rejoices in it, as if he had created it alone, and as if he had been made man for it alone. Therefore with all the affection of your soul you must, as it were, consider yourself as being bound to render the full measure of thanks of all the world for his coming, and for his coming to redeem all. And if, with a lively faith you are convinced and confess, that the same God who, infinite in his attributes and eternal in his majesty, lowered himself to assume human flesh in my womb, seeks also you, calls you, rejoices you, caresses you, and thinks of you alone, as if you were his only creature, Galatians 2.20. Think well and reflect to what his admirable condescension obliges you. Convert this admiration into living acts of faith and love, since he condescends to come to you, you owe entirely to the goodness of the King and Saviour, since you yourself could never find him nor attain him. 142. Considering merely that which this Lord can give you outside of himself, it will appear to you grand, even when you perceive it only by a mere human intelligence and affection. It is certainly true that any gift from such an eminent and supreme king is worthy of all estimation. But when you begin to consider and know by divine light, that this gift is God himself and that he makes you partaker of his divinity, when you will understand, that without your God and without his coming, all creation would be as nothing and despicable in your sight. You would want to enjoy yourself and find rest, only in the consciousness of possessing such a God, so loving, so amiable, so powerful, sweet and affluent, who, being such a great and infinite God, humiliates himself to your lowliness in order to raise you from the dust and enrich your poverty, performing toward you the duties of a shepherd, of a father, a spouse and most faithful friend. 143. Attend therefore my daughter, in the secret of your heart to all the consequences of these truths. Ponder and confer within yourself about this sweetest love of the great King for you. How faithful he is in his gifts and caresses, in his favors, in the works confided to you, in the enlightenment of your interior, instructing you by divine science in the infinite greatness of his being, in his admirable works and most hidden mysteries, in universal truth and in the nothingness of visible existence. This science is the first beginning and principle, the basis and foundation of the knowledge which I have given you in order that you may attain to the decorum and magnanimity, with which you are to treat the favors and benefits of this your Lord and God, your true blessedness, your treasure, your light and your guide. 
Look upon him as upon the infinite God, loving, yet terrible. Listen my dearest, to my words, to my teachings and discipline, for therein are contained the peace and the enlightenment of your soul.